Hi, I'm Jen Giffen from Shooks and Gift, the podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Josh, I'm one of the hosts. That's why I'm talking. It would be weird if I wasn't. Um, You're just a regular uh, guest. I'm a regular guest. I just took over the podcast. Uh, And then that was Will. For those of you who don't listen to the High Tech Podcast, this is Will, my co-host. Yeah, we're here. We are here for recording for the podcast. Um, We are excited to be starting another week. Pretty much been on for two hours now, folks. Yeah. There's been like a fire in our neighborhood that had our attention for a while. Yes. And then just if every other distraction. Hear, if you hear us just run in the middle of the podcast, like you just hear like a get out of here and nothing else happens, that's because our house is burnt down. Um and we we are currently running for our lives. Which is um, ridiculous because we're several blocks away from each other. So yeah. that's like just biblical level fire. Like not yeah, even just like a fire fire, just like yeah. The city has been raised. Yeah. Will is closer than I am. So more likely the way this would play out is like Will screaming and running and me just like not knowing what to do. I just basically continue talking. I can't see any more smoke. And I would try to finish the podcast. So, so we should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you can do it. Just finish without me. Anyway. Yeah. It's been a night. There's a fire going on in our area, which is not cool. And then Will and I just spent forever talking about some cool ideas uh, for the podcast and stuff that may be coming up. So um we finally got to recording that's all our background i know all of you were very curious why you were waiting here for this podcast that isn't released live um (laughs) (laughs) it's just you know it's like the color behind yeah we want you we want you to feel the full experience of the high-tech podcast um which is why our new intros will be us explaining what the first two hours leading up to the podcast were like for us (laughs) it'll be an interactive Every week, every episode. So what did you yeah. do for the last two hours? Yeah, exactly. It'll be it'll be great. Um, no, yeah, we are excited. We are here for the final episode of the Ungrading series. I can't believe it's already over. I feel like we need a couple more weeks. I feel like Will and I definitely don't know enough about this topic to finish it just yet. And uh, <laughs> well, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but we've had a great experience um with justin and tim joining us um and some conversations around how to do stuff in the lms uh a little uh statement here if you're listening to this episode and for some reason you just stumbled upon us first of all fabulous awesome i'm glad you've checked out the high tech podcast Thank you welcome we love you welcome, welcome. get cozy it's super great yeah sit down warm up but stop this episode very soon because you're listening to part five of a five part series. So while you could probably listen to it without the other four parts, that's kind of lame. You know, it's not that exciting. It's like watching crystal skull without the other Indiana Jones movies, which actually, now that I think about that, that's a horrible way to explain this because this makes it sound like this episode. We would not want you to come back and watch this movie. That's the problem. This is not crystal skull. This is, (laughs) this is a different movie. Um, Anyway, so go listen to that. First five episodes, you can check it out on High Tech Pod. Episodes 91 through 94. Yes. Yeah, over the website. Yeah. 
on our website. It's down here. If you're listening to the audio and you're looking down at the bottom of the floor, wherever you are, it's not down there. <laughs> um, but, but if you episode and our website is written on the floor, then please take a picture. Yeah. And that's amazing. If anything, that's super impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you can't remember the numbers, that's fine too. There's a series page on our website called Ungrading. You can click on it, it'll have all the episodes. So check those out. Anyway, for those of you who have already been listening, um, or those of you who ignored that statement I just said five seconds ago, um, <laughs> we're in the episode five of uh, Ungrading series. So um, we are going to end with a fabulous question, uh, which is where do I start? <laughs> which is now that i think about it it's kind of a hilarious question to end an entire series with you've been doing like intro prep stuff here and like talking and setting up and i'm just looking at the question like why did we do this this way <laughs> so I, but i i think i, I think i know why but yeah here's some logic no no, no you oh, no, want to hear your description i want to see oh. if we're on the same page about why we decided to do this episode <laughs> I mean, we're going to ask that question. Where where do I start? Well, that's what question we want you to ask. Like, if yes. you have listened to the, the series and you're convinced now, as convinced as we are, that this is worth a shot, now we want you to be considering where do I start. At some level, you could start with this series, right? If you, if you yeah. need to help someone else start, please send them episode 91, 2, 3, 4, and this one, 95. Um, because I think that some of the conversations we've been having, like how we've been processing this live, are a part of what it might take for other people to process it live and figure out if they even want to. But I think our question, where do I start, is assuming you've listened through this, you've gone through this with us, and now you want to get started. And that is what I think um, the big big point of this question, this, this episode is, is like, all right, you're going to need some stuff from episode 93. You're going to need some episode stuff from like the conversation with Justin and Tim. But if you want to get started, you need to pull out your syllabus. That's, that's really it. You need to pull it up, take a look at your actual syllabus and think, okay, what do I need to do to change all the verbiage, to change the structure, to change the layout, to deliver an ungraded course. Now, alongside of that right we might want the resources like the episodes here that we've talked about we might want to be looking at things like your lms i'm going to suggest dr susan bloom she's on twitter she's all over she wrote the book it is literally dr <laughs> susan bloom who wrote the book on grading you know it's a very uh, modern book it's great but she's got some of those things you know those are the tools you're going to need to get started but but to my opinion i don't know if we're on the same page josh you need to start with your syllabus that's yeah i mean move. it starts it starts with the course itself and for arguing of yeah why we're we doing it this this way instead of where do i start in the beginning one if we asked where do i start in the beginning you know we wouldn't have had any content to go off of i just like to argue that uh we were just we would have been just at the beginning um but i think it's because like anytime will and i have these types of conversations um and those of you working in similar areas of higher ed or instructional design or just education in general have probably experienced some of this um, when you try to implement something, the, the temptation is just to like, take everything you've heard or learned and just slam it in right away. Like completely revise your entire course, you know, basically sit down and go, your entire course is going to be completely different. Right. And, uh, I, one, I think that can be super overwhelming Two, um, 
can set you up in a place where you may not be able to handle all those changes. Like, so for a good example, right. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim, who we had on, he has years of experience in ungrading. So when he's talking right. about his ungrading right. courses, Tim didn't start there where he just straight up was doing full ungrading stuff. Um, he changed some things. Now he came out of an experience where he was doing ungrading as a student. So his experience was a little bit different, but like when you look at Justin, Justin's a huge fan of ungrading. He doesn't do it in everything he does. He's right. starting to change. What and it's very doing, new it, to his, his practice. Yeah. So it's very periodic. So I think we wanted to kind of set the stage at the end because I hate doing some of these series and then people walking away and feeling like, oh my gosh, I need to change everything I'm doing. Nope. Um, like, because you're not going to be able to do that. So uh, Will and I both like a book, uh, Simple Teach. We should have looked this up beforehand. Simple Teaching. Um, uh, small Teaching. James small Lang. Teaching. There we go. James Lang. Small Teaching. Justin's a big fan of this book too. I'm sure Tim knows yep. it. Um, small teaching is this whole concept about finding small ways to make changes in your teaching and your pedagogy, um, just so that for a couple reasons, one, so you don't overwhelm yourself. So you can kind of learn as you're going Two, so you can actually figure out what works. Like if you make a whole bunch of changes all at once, you might not be sure what actually worked and what didn't. Um, so like a focused attack can do this. So I know, Will, you and I come back to this all the time for technology. Like when we're talking to faculty or instructors or facilitators who want to use technology, we try to caution against, um, I love it. There's always two at the end of the scale. There's the one who never wants to do any changes. So we try to push them towards a small change. And then (laughs) you know them. I'm sure you have pictures of people in your head that are like, we tell them one technology tool and all of a sudden they want to change everything about every education thing they've ever done. They want to use use it in every course they teach. They want to do every assignment with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's both ends. Yeah, both of those can be, they're not great. Like it can overwhelm you. It can end up making things difficult for your students if you're also not prepared for that. So I think what we wanted to do was kind of package this as like, okay, where what are some places that you could start to implement some of the ungrading stuff we've talked about over the last several weeks of the High Tech Podcast? So I have some thoughts, but Will, let's, let's uh, I'm going to throw you on the hot, the hot seat right here. After what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, what would be one of your thoughts? Like if you were going to do this as a teacher, taking that syllabus, what's like one small way that you would recommend starting some of the ungrading stuff we've talked about? I might not go so far as changing the grading, the overall like ABCD stuff, like mm-hmm. and taking it out of the syllabus or whatever. But the first thing I would do, and this is something Tim spoke to, is take out my rubrics. Oh, that's hard to say, Oof. but it's it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Folks. I think Justin might still kill us. I don't think he's fully in agreement with Tim on that one. Take out my rubrics <laughs> and replace them with the language. And, and, and maybe more specifically, like the one, two, three, four, five, six. Like I've made rubrics that are on a five scale, 10 scale, six. Incomplete, complete exceeds like maybe if i want to do those three scales but like tim was doing incomplete complete right like i like like a an a plus mark like a you did exceptional i think that's worth noting for students just so they like have a sense of like what they're doing but i would take all of my grading across my courses and get rid of my hundred scales my 10 scales my five scales and just that's the first thing i would do i might even keep the regular grading stuff I might even make everything one, two, three points or whatever, and just like do some back end math to make them worth more. Like, and you know what I mean? Like I would just start with the verbiage, the language I'm using to communicate to my students about their assignments. Yeah. That's the first thing I would do. Okay. So that if I, if I'm working with them, um, we can start on that language of like, Hey, I need you to know well, no matter what we do in this course, you have the chance to improve your learning. You have the chance yeah. to improve your work. 
So it's going to be incomplete or complete. Like that to me is a is a big step. It's 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 going to hurt a little bit. It's going to be hard to do with the math and the numbers and stuff, but functionally it's not going to take much effort, right? Like I have to take stuff out. I'm going to have to take stuff out of yeah. my course and take out rubrics and take out uh scales and stuff like that. Start yeah. there. It seems simple enough, but it I I already feel like the anxiety of like that's going to it's going to be difficult. It's going to yeah. change things for my my papers. So what am I going to do with my papers, you know, etc. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like the concept of cuz I when Tim said his his opinion on rubrics, and if, again, if you ignored our advice and are continuing to assume and listen to that episode, stop it. Go listen to that because this context will make more sense. Um, I was it was a little dicey. Like I, I didn't necessarily think of it that way originally because I'm a, I'm a rubric fan. I like rubrics, uh, but I, I get the concept of like they can make us feel too like it's too um, uh, man. I can't think of the word right now, but like a. Uh, just overly objective. Like it can make, it can make grading feel like it's overly objective. Like we've got right. these categories and that, that is Tim's more than point, it is. That, that it's more than it is to Tim's point. Um, it's not always that way. And like sometimes feedback for different students is different than others. Like, so the rubric can also lock in students to make them feel like they have to do the assignment this exact way, you know? So like, right. I totally get that. Um, I, yeah, I was, I like that idea. The other concept, like, again, this is nothing Will and I are saying is like, you have to start this way. These are just ideas. Like if I was going to start with yeah. ungrading, yeah, yeah. this is all hypothetical for Will and I at this point, Will and I haven't actually done ungrading <laughs> as instructors. Like we've taken Very courses, fair. but there's a reason we brought other guests on. We, we chose to only talk about the things we knew we were good enough to talk about. Like we, so, um, so the actual core of how to do it and why we left to other experts, but um, I think I would actually start with the summative project for the course. Okay. So, um, the lot of this ungrading conversation that's really come out, is like, we should be scaffolding already. Like that's something we should be doing. Um, yeah. if we're not scaffolding, that's already a problem. And you should probably start there first before you do what I'm about to suggest. But if you're already scaffolding a project, then it's reconceptualizing those different scaffolded points from, uh, places where, they either get it right or they get it wrong and get a bad grade to more of cyclical revision style that ungrading would have. Yes. Um, and I think you could do that within a grading structure in the course without having to change the entire grading structure yet. Like you can set it up where like, you know, this is pass fail for these pieces to the final project. And That's if you do fair. it that way, anyway, you can have a normal grading scale um, that, and it, like, for instance, to, like Tim may not like this idea. So Tim, don't kill me if you're listening to this episode. Um, but you could still technically have your grading scale you've had before and just use the hundred and zero. Like, so sure. for somebody who's starting, you don't have to go and change the absolute fabric of your course to do this. Right. You could change at a small scale, each of those, uh, formative scaffolded elements of the final project, um, to focus on the learning. And maybe that helps bring your students on board a little bit quicker. Um, and then that maybe gets you a feel for the flow a little bit at the, what I would consider like the core of the course, um, yeah. which is kind of that, that project element. Uh, that'd be how I'd start. Maybe. I think that's how I'd start to tackle it. One, one assignment, one big yeah. thing. And I mean, it's going to have a big, big impact. Yeah. You're going to end up doing multiple like assignments, but really like one final project. Cause I really like, um, so Tim mentioned this, Justin mentioned this. Um, I was looking at it in some different ungrading resources. Like when you're going to implement ungrading, the first thing you should definitely do in your head is not think about what can I add, <laughs> but what can I remove or re repurpose? 
like um, like what already is in the course that I can change. I think to your point, like you could remove rubrics, you could change that system a bit. Um, you could change the summative uh, project um, and the formative scaffolded elements to be more ungraded style feedback heavy. And then maybe when you do that, you realize, oh, you know what, this assignment and this assignment, I don't need those anymore because it's going to take them more time to work with the feedback I give them. So you remove those assignments. Like those are areas where you're taking some pressure off of yourself where you don't have to completely revise the entire course, but you're kind of in a strategic um, iterative way, making some changes to some pieces of the course that will have ripple effects and then eventually might lead you to a more ungraded style course. And give you the practice for doing it, you know, yeah. doing more yeah, of it absolutely. across the course. Yeah. Um, a, a thought that stuck with me as we were getting in, as we we're getting on this rubric conversation too. Something and, and, and it ties into what you just said about like, hey, remove. So I said pretty quickly, pretty easily, like, oh, just just take out the rubrics. Well, let's let's also think about if two things on the rubrics themselves. I've written a lot of rubrics. I've helped faculty write rubrics. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely times where like across the five scale or the three scale or the four, you know, however many boxes, mm -hmm. columns and rows yeah. they've got. Where I'm just like copying and pasting and changing a word or two, like 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 you said, that's kind of an arbitrary kind of illusion of objectivity. It wasn't as in depth as it could be or should be, right? Like, and that's on me. Some that's on me, but like, there's opportunities there where I know many of us have done that. So I wouldn't hold rubrics up as the bastion of perfection, uh, but at the same time, whatever that five is or the ten out of ten column is, right? That's perfect. That's that's the ultimate. That's what we want them to shoot for. That's just that's your instructions. You yeah. you don't you can get rid of the rubric in the rows and columns field and just take the ten out of ten field and put that in if you want to complete the course, the complete this assignment. These are the ten things to do. Yeah, absolutely. you know you don't you're not deleting the rubric, but you don't need to use it anymore in the same way. Like take those requirements. They have to use MLA. They have to do you know, five pages, 10 pages, whatever those requirements are, are still valid. You don't have to get rid of the requirements, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to operate in the traditional rubric sense. That's one of those things I want to kind of clarify slash tie together with what you're saying. Like, hey, if you had it on a five or a 10 scale, remove four scales, just take them out, but keep what you want. Keep the yeah. objective because that is what we need to drive the students towards in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's think, a little both yeah. and. You can repurpose some stuff um, and uh, rethink how that fits together. I think that's absolutely another way that you could try to do that uh, in those places. And that's uh, honestly what you commented to the rubric stuff is part of the reason I think Tim tries to get to that in his episode um, where like sometimes you're just kind of like making up the same word. Even Justin talked about this where you're like just using the same words like excellent, sort of yep. excellent. Like, you know, <laughs> like what the, come on. Like that's gets a right. bit ridiculous. While you were saying that, I was thinking of something else, too, um, that I think another small way you could tackle this is, like, find a place. One of the other big hallmarks, I think, of ungrading, as we're talking to Tim and Justin and you and I are looking into stuff, is that there's a lot of talk about, too, giving students choices about what they can do in the course. Like, so maybe you find a place in the course, you just allow choice. Like, maybe you yeah. don't just assign a paper at the end of the course. Maybe you do allow them to kind of pick how they want to do their project, right? Like uh, maybe you get a little multimodal on us and you, you know, you pick different versions of what they could do. Right. And you let them set the standards for themselves of what they're going to end up doing. Like, you know, you help yeah. them kind of do that, that, that is a little bit more time intensive, but it could be a small way 
to try that just with one thing in your course and then maybe eventually start to implement that more across the board in your course. I think that's one tiny way you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we both have in mind like some of those first step things. And I think that they're definitely at at that syllabus stage. Like, I think I think we agreed, like pull out your syllabus. Now it's now what we were talking through and fleshing out is like the scope of what you're going to do with it. Cause you could yeah. burn the syllabus. You could yeah, start I mean, over, you could, but yeah. you know, I would maybe do one thing. You might do the other thing with it. Uh, it, it really comes back to just re understanding or, or resetting your scope for the course. You need to know, you know, according to whatever your, whatever your objectives are, your learning objectives, how are you going to get the students to demonstrate their knowledge? How are you going yeah. to get the students to demonstrate their application of that knowledge without all of the numbers with, mm-hmm. with opportunities to learn as the primary focus, as opposed to just getting points. Yeah. Josh and I play video games to get points. Sometimes we learn something, but like we play video games, and we get points in yeah. the video games. Like we want points. the students to learn. Yeah. Points can be motivational, but not well, always. They to, and they can, they can the do the opposite. Series. Yeah, like we've talked about the ungrading series, they often do the opposite anyway. They focus the, the student on the points in the grade rather than the actual learning in the activity. And that's part of the reason I think the two of us have come around to some of these ideas uh, and yeah. why we did the series is because we're seeing that description and it's hard to argue against that because we're seeing that happen in education where the grade is becoming more of the focus than the actual learning itself. Um, yeah. And so like that's some of the ways. So I think, again, it's just picking, these are suggestions. Like you don't, it's like, okay, Will and Josh said this. I'm going to go do this now. I mean, you can do that. That's great. That's fabulous. Although be careful about making life decisions off of what Will and Josh say. (laughs) Um, But uh, like, but there are, there are multiple different ways to do this. Like I've seen instructors where they decide, you know what? I'm going to try for a semester, just doing complete incomplete on a few things. Like I'm going to do that throughout the course. And then they pick some more stuff and then they end up changing their entire grading scale um, to be this, this more completion complete. I think the more of us, like you and I were just talking about this in other podcast stuff. So much of what we do in life, we get overwhelmed by picking off too much. Like this yes. is a principle in, I'm not gonna go into my big project management spiel, but this is like a, a principle in project management too. Like we, we try to bite off this absurd number of things to do. Um, and we end up actually being less productive by trying to do more. Um, if we actually do less, I might be getting on my soapbox. If we actually try to be more focused do it. Um, and be more intentional about what we choose to do and pace ourselves, we'll actually get more done with better results yep. at the end of the day. Um, it's a contrary thing in our culture. In America, we really like fast, fast, like crazy things that people have done. Um, but at the end of the day, there's pe- it's the people behind the scenes that have done like scalable solutions that actually get real things done. Um, yeah. And in education, this is something we're not good at. Uh, we are not good at picking small things. We want to just revolutionize the whole world. Um, so like just pick small things, start with the small stuff, find those areas. And you will see even, even if you're making small advancements in your course semester to semester, and it eventually builds to that thing, that's better than you trying it all at once and overwhelming both you and your students and it not going anywhere. Um, and so I think that's what, why we wanted to do this. This is why Will and I wanted to try to focus in on some of those points is uh, I think that's the way you start doing this type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, so some philosophy aside, some, some general ideas, like what are some other ways, right? We're still on that. Where do I start? So another element 
of, of where do I start to kind of bring in those, those points of like, all right, well, we're going to dig into the curriculum, but we do have some of the other things like the tools and stuff involved. It is worth taking a step, taking a moment to look at your LMS. If you're not familiar with it, or if you are jump in the grade book, jump in the grade setup and see what's possible, right? Like by default, the LMSs I've worked in lead with a numerical um, letter system and like, you know, 90 is this 91 is that 92 is this uh, grading scale, right? And some of them default to that because it's the only option. Some of them you can turn that off. Some of them you can hide it like it is worth stopping for a moment and finding out what can you do? Because, hey, if you can just like turn off the grading scale to be visible to the students as a checkbox, mm. yeah, it's a good boom, point. big win, one click. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you still, you know, the math's going on in the background, but it doesn't have to be a part of what the students see. You can change what the, the language you're using with them and what they are seeing in the learning system. And then you can focus your conversations with them on more practical conversations. Like how have they learned? What have they improved on? What do they want to improve on? Um, you know, I, I, I think like both of my suggestions so far, like, Hey, just switch out everything to a complete incomplete and then just turn off a checkbox if it's there very simple in quotes right but big big impact you can just do yeah. one of those things you can do both of those mm -hmm. things right and you know that that's going to be a different experience for your yeah. learners and also don't feel like you need to reinvent the wheel like if uh feel free to this is my plug reach out to your technologists or your designers or whatever whatever department does that thing at your institution <laughs> um the uh reach out to them because often they already have a solution in mind to help you out and they can give you like for instance our institution like um i already know what an ungraded grading scale should look like in canvas in yeah. like it's a little um counterintuitive sometimes um it's a little um crazy but like it works and i we could help you do that right. the the right. problem we often have at our institution is that like people don't ask us beforehand and then they set up weird stuff. Like, so like just, and then three weeks into the class, all the students have failed and they don't know why. Yeah, It's like a weird thing happening. So um, like, don't feel like you need to reinvent the wheel, reach out to them. I'm sure they'd be happy to talk with you about what the solution is. And it's often simpler than you think, because there's probably another example somewhere else in the, in the LMS. Like for instance, our institution yeah. already has like a complete incomplete scale in the course, right. like in our, right. in our account level uh, that we have in canvas. So like other LMSs have those solutions too. Um, and they could probably help you find something like that or help you get something set up like that. Nothing um, needs to be created. You can probably just copy and paste yeah. as a template to get started and voila. You can, yeah. You can work with it. And even if it doesn't exist already, somebody might be willing to help you and you could start with small scalable solutions. Like it might be, you turn off the scale for a brief, semester um and then but during that semester you work right with now. somebody to figure out next semester's solution um that's okay you don't have to have it all together for that first semester you can figure it out um and and take it as it goes ironically i see this as a coaching opportunity um we are speaking an opportunity to you and suggesting an opportunity to you listener that you would expect of your students you need to give it a try you need to be willing to fail, to have it go wrong, to need some help. You know, like it's 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 not something that you're going to get right the first time. And, and like Josh said earlier about Tim and Justin, like 
you know, Justin's digging into it for the last few years. Tim's been at it for more than a decade, maybe, maybe two yeah. decades. I can't remember exactly. Like yeah. that's a lot of experience. It's a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and it's worth trying and taking that first mistake because we, you need to learn. And that first yeah. mistake is going to help you start learning that stuff. Like that's, that's how Josh and I got the podcast started. We were talking about that, reflecting on that tonight. Like, Oh, we could do such grand things. We talked so, so long, so many great ideas. And it's like, Hey dude, why don't we just get on zoom and see what happens? Yeah. And here we are 95 episodes later with another five episodes, at least yeah. planned ahead of us. Like a hundred episodes. We know a little bit more about what we're doing, you know, like just, just a tiny bit. <laughs> but, but like, I, I say that as a coaching thing, because I think there are some moments here where we as faculty, we as te- technologists, designers, forget that that vulnerability it takes to be a learner. Take yeah. a chance. It might mm-hmm. hurt. It might hurt your student evaluations this semester. That's okay. We have evaluations to help us learn. Like You need that feedback from the students to know yeah. if you need to make it different next semester. That's a good and thing. Be upfront with your students too. Like this is the other thing we don't have to hide it. Like I, this came out in both Tim and Justin. Um, now they're both education guys, so sometimes I joke with them. They get the luxury of being uh, breaking the fourth wall, uh, learning wall sometimes <laughs> yeah. because their students actually yep. care about that. Um, but like other people can do this. Like we have a, a guy who works in our office um, who doesn't teach in education. He teaches like the sciences, and he does this often. He'll break the fourth wall about like what he's doing. And why? Because it also helps the students understand that you are trying stuff too. So like, right. I think a lot of times when you get the hardest feedback from students is when they think you've already figured out the whole system and they're like, the system doesn't work, but you think right. it does. If you're clear with your students that you're just figuring things out and you're messing around with stuff, they tend to be a little bit more gracious in those areas. Um, and they tend to also be more engaged in what you're doing. Like, because that shows that you're just a person like they are. You're just trying to figure this out like they are. In fact, you're you're applying some of your ungrading principles to yourself as you're doing ungrading. Like so, um, I think like that can kind of help get you started. So, um, yeah, big biggest takeaway: you don't have to do everything. You know, you don't have to do all the things. Um, but sometimes there are tools that do everything. You know. Um, <laughs> They might even help you explain everything. Yeah. They might help you explain everything. Somebody, somebody might say that. Yes. It is a famous high tech podcast transition and famous by that. I mean, Will and I think we're great at it. Okay. No matter what any of you say, we're fantastic. Um, I was curious if you were were going there or not. (laughs) Yeah. I I saw it like uh, a paragraph ago in our conversation. I was like, oh, this could be a transition. I got to get us back here. Uh, Will, what what app are we talking about? Uh, Our app in this episode is called Explain Everything. That is it. Um, Now, you might think, do I put in the question, you know, the the famous question from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, what is the meaning of life and everything in it? No, that is not the point (laughs) of Explain Everything. It will not give you the answer 42. (laughs) Deep pull. Yep. I love that. Like so many people listening to the podcast right now, we're probably like, what the crap is he talking about? Exactly. Um, You're welcome. Go, go look it up. It's a great book and great movie. But, um, well, I don't know what great movie, but it is entertaining. I wouldn't say it's it's great. That's a separate podcast conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the, uh, the other podcast that we do. High high tech after dark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
explain everything is a digital whiteboard. Forgive us. We've we're doing one more digital whiteboard, yeah. but I I will say it's a smidge different. Um, yeah, yeah well, probably sure. Miro and some of those have some of these tools now today as well. But I first came across this tool trying to help math faculty um, record learning and lecture content for students. It was, uh, this is even actually before I worked at, at uh, my last institution before COVID times, I ran into it when I was working at Josh's institution. I started using it even more at my second institution. Um, it's one of those tools that at the very simplest, right? It offers you the functionality that as you are writing, it is recording on screen and what you're saying is a very, this is, I mean, there's more features than just this, but if you can already start to imagine the value in that, when math faculty want to talk students through an equation, they typically want to be able to do that as they write the equation, right? And so they don't just want the whole finished equation on screen and the student's like, oh, there's the finished equation. That's what I needed. No, they want to be able to write like, all right, 4X plus 5 equals Y. And they're writing that on screen as they're doing all of that. And now we want to divide X. So they, they write a line under 4X and they put X underneath that and then they put the, you know, the X under Y on the right and they're handwriting this out and it is recording everything as they go. Um, that's actually not a common feature. And it's, and it is one of those ways, like you see all those videos on YouTube of like the handwritten, you know, quick drawings and the, the word videos and stuff like that. Uh, you could use this to create similar content. So it doesn't have to just have to be maths focused, but like if you want to draw and talk through something, even your lectures, your PowerPoints, um, you can upload PDFs into here, documents, you can upload your slides into it. Um, it's pretty flexible with the amount of content you can mm -hmm. put in the platform, annotate it, and very specifically record your voice while you're doing it. I'm looking at a screenshot that is even suggesting now it accepts video content. Like when I used it, we, maybe we weren't trying, but I don't think it, I don't think it allowed you to record or at least not for free. It did not yeah. allow you to record your video into the platform. It was just audio. Uh, but that's a lot of good features there that could support any number of content creation for, for faculty trying to walk students through something or just go through their, their PowerPoints with annotations, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It is available as an Android app and an Apple app. That is something new. It did not used to do that. I know for sure. And uh, their web app is actually really easy to use. I, they, that was the first time I've seen this. Last time I saw yeah. it, it was just it's still a mobile application. So you can go to explaineverything.com and click on try it now or their web app, start the web app, and it opens right in front of you like whiteboard.explaineverything.com. And you can yeah. start to play with it and work with it. Yeah, so, it's. Pretty, I, was just, I, was playing with, I was playing with it a bit. And uh, I think, like, again, I feel like we always have to defend ourselves when we bring up a whiteboard tool, because since day one at the High Tech Podcast, we've been like, <laughs> whiteboard tools! Um, and we love them, and we've talked about Miro multiple times. Um, but uh, one thing I think that's different about Explain Everything that I really like is it's focused on teacher kind of display and content creation. So, like, yeah. to Will's yeah. point, you record directly in the app. I was just playing with it on the timeline you actually can see, you can replay your timeline in your video and you could see your annotations in the right. timeline and you can actually I cut second. your annotations. Like you can go in and edit them. So like if I did something with a pen that I didn't like over here, I can cut that out of the screen. Dang. And keep my other annotations. Um, so that's really cool. And I could see an advantage of that for anybody who needs a whiteboard tool 
when they're recording things like language professors who want to write out um, stuff digitally. Like this is a great tool for that. We've talked about Miro before for that type of stuff, but I think the advantage of explain everything is it's focused on instructors writing and displaying things like they would on a board in their classroom. And so yep. with an inboard recording and you can actually generate a link to that video from the whiteboard. Like you don't have to go anywhere else. You can actually click generate link and it will create a link for you. And then you can post that link or embed it in other places, um, which is pretty sweet. Uh, real quick pricing stuff, just in case you're curious, uh, they do have a free plan that limits you to three minutes uh, per video, which, you know, um, for some of us who like to go longer, maybe that's a good limit for yourself. Um, but free, <laughs> try, free, something new. <laughs> try something new. Uh, it's three minutes, but here's the deal. Um, solo teacher plan is only 35 bucks a year. Yep. Um, which is pretty like, that's solid. That's a really cheap deal for a tool like this. And you get unlimited projects with slides. You get unrestricted video length. You get email support. You get one-on-one -on -one collaboration for 15 minutes. Um, you get basically, I think you could function with a solo teacher model. If you're a teacher, just teaching your own course and you're looking for something to create video content. Um, this would be super easy. Honestly, if like for a team like myself who helps design courses with uh, subject matter experts and faculty, uh, if we didn't already have a solution, I could see myself buying a couple licenses and sharing them out to people to create whiteboard content yeah. for their videos. Like it's, it's pretty, pretty solid, honestly. Yeah. And, and like one of the things that I think they're, they're attuned to is they're, they've grown and changed and developed. Like it was an iPad only app. It was very limited in functionality and scope to like pretty much hand drawing and text over the, and now mm -hmm. like they, they're competing with Miro, Mural, et cetera, on the whiteboarding functionality, but they specifically have this robust recording functionality as well to create yeah. learning content. Um, and I really respect that the, pl the pricing plan is pretty in depth. Like it's giving you a lot of different insights and it's proving you could use the free plan based on your scope. But at yeah. $3 a month, that's, that's good. Like, yeah. Well, even I, like I, the I, class plan for an entire class of one teacher and up to a hundred students is only like $130 a year. Like yeah. that's not, that's like, I, that's not bad. Like that's, there are tools that are significantly more expensive than that, that do less than this. And that's um, something that you could definitely get a department to help you with. Or yeah. like, honestly, these days just crowdsource something like, like I, <laughs> really strange random anecdote but i remember this one time i was selling something of my own home out to somebody in the streets and I'm like all right whatever facebook marketplace whatever uh she hands me the cash she gives me this thing and she's like turning around and she's like hey um i'm so excited this is great this is gonna really help me in my classroom and i was like oh my gosh like i I don't want money from you for this. Like, take that. Go, go into your classroom. Yeah, I don't need like it was something <laughs> I was going to throw out if I didn't sell it on Facebook Marketplace for a couple of bucks. Right. And here she was a teacher. I'm like, there's so many more people out here who understand teachers need support and just will yeah. give you stuff or help. Like, ask, ask your Twitter, or Facebook, anybody got 35 bucks to help me get a, a license for a year. I hate that that's part of what we deal with in education, but, you know be crafty folks get this stuff for free or as, as easy as you can, because yeah. this could really revolutionize what you're able to do in teaching and supporting your students. I also see a big, big use for this in mentoring and tutoring. Oh yeah. 100%. Where like 
you could do asynchronous tutoring with a tool like this. If they sent mm -hmm. you some of their work, then you could do revise it and send this back in your work and, you know, ping yeah. pong it that way. It'd be a really useful tool for like a tutoring center or writing center to do, um, you know, collaborative, but asynchronous mm -hmm. feedback. Really important yeah. to think about that in the, the virtual world as we're in this post pandemic instruction world. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of potential for it. They actually have a one-on-one -on -one collaboration feature. Now you can only do 15 minutes if you're doing it in the tool, but to Will's point, like this could be something for online tutoring where you're taking something, putting feedback on and then sending it to them. You don't right. like that's, right. that's totally fine. Um, and uh, I think you'd be within the solo plan or you could play around with the free plan on that. So anyway, I think it's, I think it's a great tool. Check it out again. It's explaineverything.com. Uh, you can find the pricing stuff there. The The whole point is we're kind of finishing this episode. If you're curious and you haven't listened to all the other episodes in the ungrading series, take a listen. Um, because especially with the three episodes that Will and I talk on our own, uh, we specifically tried to find tools um, because one of the big things in ungrading is um, in-depth feedback. And especially in online and hybrid courses, that can be difficult. Like it's, it's time consuming to write out a bunch of feedback. Um, and so we tried to focus on some tools that we felt like help bridge that gap a little bit more with some video solutions and whiteboarding solutions. Um, so we've got a couple of those throughout this series. So make sure to check those out. Explain everything's another one of those I feel like this could be leveraged in an ungrading environment to help give more in depth and visual feedback, uh, as you're explaining things to your students, um, and working, working with them. So yeah, check yeah. it out. Explain everything.com. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, folks, for listening through this series. We hope that it's been informative for you. Hey, if you agree, if you disagree, reach out to us on Twitter, on yep. YouTube. Uh, Specifically, reach out to Will if you disagree. Um, <laughs> so I'm just checking. <laughs> Josh is not interested. Uh, no, but like we, we'd love to. This doesn't. These series, this whole podcast, is a is hopefully a conversation. It's an opportunity yeah. to engage. So if you want to get into this conversation, to be like, no. I tried ungrading for five years and here's what happened. It went so bad. I'd want to hear from you. Let's go oh, yeah. inbox at hightechpod.us. Uh, mm -hmm. You can find this episode and every episode in the podcast at hightechpod.us, our website where we have links to the education podcast network, our network that supports us and helps us get more promotion out there. Um, it has links to every single episode and everything, all the resources we provide for every single app, our interviews we've done, our personal social medias, pictures of us if that matters whatever yeah. it's all there check it out make sure to share it around for folks who uh, could be benefited by the high-tech podcast mm -hmm. thank you again for another week joining us in this high-tech podcast adventure to learn what it is to look at harnessing technology in the physical or virtual classroom until next time see ya see ya